Chapter Twelve of the Gloved Hand by Burton E. Stevenson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Twelve, Guesses at the Riddle. We tried to follow Doctor Hinman's prescription, but not with any great success, for it is difficult to talk about one thing and think about another. So the doctor took himself off before long, and Swain announced that he himself would have to return to the city. He had come out without so much as a toothbrush, he pointed out. His trousers were in a lamentable condition, and while Godfrey's coat was welcome, it was far from a perfect fit. "'Which reminds me,' he added, "'that I don't know what has become of my own coat and shirt.' I looked at Godfrey quickly. "'No, I forgot them,' he said. "'They're over in the library at Elmhurst,' he added to Swain. "'You can get them to-morrow.' "'I shall have to be there to-morrow, then?' yes at the inquest i've promised to produce you there i said at what time you'd better be there by ten very well that's all the more reason for getting back to my base of supplies if i went on the stand looking like this the jury would probably think i was the murderer he added laughing my answering smile was decidedly thin godfrey did not even try to force one wait a few minutes he suggested and i'll take you down in my car I'll try to get back early, Lester, he added apologetically. I'm far from an ideal host, but you'll find some books on my desk that may interest you. I got them up today. Take a look at them after dinner. He went back to bring out his car, and Swain sat down again beside me. Mr. Lester, he said in a low voice, I hope you haven't forgotten your promise. What promise? To put Miss Vaughan in a safe place, and to look after her interests. No, I said. I haven't forgotten. I am going to ask to see her after the inquest tomorrow. If she wishes us to represent her, we will. And to protect her, he added quickly, she hasn't even a mad father now. She's safe enough for the present, I pointed out. Dr. Hinman has employed another nurse, so that one is with her all the time. I won't be satisfied, said Swain, till you get her out of that house and away from those damned Hindus. One nurse, or even two, wouldn't stop them. Stop them from what? I don't know, and he twisted his fingers helplessly. Well, the police will stop them. There are three or four men on duty there, with orders to let no one in or out. His face brightened. Ah, that's better, he said. I didn't know that. How long will they be there? Till after the inquest, anyway. And you will see Miss Vaughan after the inquest? Yes. And urge her to go to Mr. and Mrs. Royce? Yes, but I don't think she'll need much urging. I'll get a note from Mrs. Royce. I'll telephone to Mr. Royce now, and you can stop and get the note as you come up in the morning. Godfrey's car glided up the drive and stopped at the porch. Swain held out his hand and clasped mine warmly. Thank you, Mr. Lester, he said, and a moment later the car turned into the driveway and passed from sight. Then I went in, got Mr. Royce on the phone, and gave him a brief outline of the incidents of the night before. He listened with an exclamation of astonishment from time to time, and assented heartily when I suggested that Miss Vaughan might be placed in Mrs. Royce's care temporarily. "'She's a beautiful girl,' I concluded, "'and very young. I agree with Swain that she mustn't be left alone in that house.' "'Certainly she mustn't,' said my partner. "'I'll have Mrs. Royce write the note and get a room ready for her.' "'Of course,' I said. "'It's possible she won't come, though I believe she'll be glad to.' or there may be a family lawyer who will want to look after her only she didn't appear to know of any when she was talking to swain 
well bring her along if you can said mr royce we'll be glad to have her and take your time about coming back if you're needed up there we're getting along all right i thanked him and hung up and presently mrs hargis came to summon me to dinner that meal over i went into godfrey's desk to see what the books were he had suggested that i look at there was quite a pile of them and i saw that they all related to mysticism or to the religions of india there was sir monier williams's brahmanism and hinduism hopkins's the religions of india a work on crystallomancy mr lloyd tuckey's standard work on hypnotism and suggestion and some half dozen others whose titles i have forgotten and as i looked at them i began to understand one reason for godfrey's success as a solver of mysteries no detail of a subject ever escaped him i lit my pipe sat down and was soon deep in the lore of the east i must confess that i did not make much of it in that maze of superstition the most i could do was to pick up a thread here and there the yogi had referred to the white knight of siva and i soon found out that siva is one of the gods of hinduism one of a great trilogy brahma the creator vishnu the preserver and siva the destroyer he had also spoken of the attributes of kali and after a little further research i discovered that kali was siva's wife a most unprepossessing and fiendish female but when i passed on to hinduism itself and tried to understand its tenets and its sects i found myself out of my depth they were so jumbled so multitudinous and so diverse that i could get no clear idea of them i read of the vedas the upanishads the brahmanas of metaphysical abstractions too tenuous to grasp of karna or action of maya or illusion and i knew not what tangled jumble of ghosts and demons demigods and deified saints household gods village gods tribal gods universal gods with their countless shrines and temples and din of discordant rites at last in despair i gave it up and turned to the book on crystallomancy here at least was something comprehensible if not altogether believable and i read with interest of the antiquity of crystal gazing as a means of inducing hallucination for the purpose of seeking information not to be gained by any normal means i read of its use in china in assyria in egypt in arabia in india in greece and rome of how its practitioners in the middle ages were looked upon as heretics and burnt at the stake or broken on the wheel of the famous dr d and so down to the present time the scryers or seers sometimes used mirrors sometimes vessels filled with water but usually a polished stone and beryl was especially esteemed the effect of gazing at these intently for a time was to abstract the mind from normal sensory impressions and to induce a state of partial hypnosis during which the scryer claimed he could perceive in the crystal dream pictures of great vividness scenes at a distance occurrences of the past and of the future i was still deep in this when i heard a step outside the door opened and godfrey came in he smiled when he saw what i was doing how have you been getting along he asked not very well and i threw the book back on the table the crystal gazing isn't so bad one can understand that but the jumble of abstractions which the hindus call religion is too much for me i didn't know it was so late i added and looked at my watch but it was not yet eleven o'clock i'm earlier than usual said godfrey i cut loose as soon as i could because i thought we'd better talk things over i saw simmons in town to-night ah i said and what did he tell you nothing i didn't know already 
the police have discovered nothing new or if they have they're keeping it dark until to-morrow simmons did however regale me with his theory of the case he says the murder was done either by one of the hindus or by young swain what do you think i asked i'm inclined to agree with simmons said godfrey grimly with the emphasis on the hindus he added seeing the look on my face i don't believe swain had any hand in it neither do i i agreed heartily in fact such a theory is too absurd to discuss just the same said godfrey slowly i'm glad he didn't touch vaughn if he had happened to seize him by the neck while they were struggling together in other words if those fingerprints goldberger found had happened to be swain's things would have looked bad for him i'm hoping they'll turn out to belong to one of the hindus but as i said to goldberger i'm afraid that's too good to be true which one of the hindus i asked oh the thug of course i sat bolt upright the thug i echoed didn't you get that far and godfrey picked up one of the books and ran rapidly through the pages you remember we found him squatting on the floor with a rag and a tooth and a bone in front of him yes and do you remember how the yogi described them when goldberger asked him about them very distinctly he called them the attributes of kali now listen to this the thugs are a religious fraternity committing murders in honor of kali the wife of siva who they believe assists them and protects them legend asserts that she presented her worshippers with three things the hem of her lower garment to use as a noose a rib to use as a knife and a tooth to use as a pickaxe in burying the victims he glanced at me and then went on but the knife was little used for the religious character of an assassination came to depend more and more upon its bloodless character and for this a noose was used with which the victim was strangled the aversion to bloodshed became in time so great that many sects of thuggy consider it defiling to touch human blood he closed the book and threw it on the table don't you think that proves the case yes i said thoughtfully and the yogi is he also a thug oh no a white priest of siva could never be a thug the worship of siva and of kali are the very opposites of each other the saivas are ascetics that is he added in another tone if the fellow is really a saiva and not just a plain fraud all those fellows are frauds more or less aren't they i questioned no was godfrey's unexpected answer the real yogin are no doubt sincere but a real yogi wouldn't waste his time on a soft-brained old man and fire skyrockets off at midnight to impress him my own opinion is that this fellow is a faker a juggler a sleight-of-hand man and of course a crook well i asked as godfrey stopped and failed to communicate well that's as far as i've got oh yes there's toto a cobra is one of a faker's stock properties but godfrey i protested he is no ignorant roadside juggler he's a cultivated man an unusual man certainly he is most unusual but that doesn't disprove my guess it only makes the problem harder even a roadside juggler doesn't do his tricks for nothing what reward is it this fellow's working for it must be a big one or it wouldn't tempt him i suppose vaughn paid him well i ventured yes but did you look at him lester you've called him unusual but that word doesn't begin to express him he's extraordinary no doubt vaughn did pay him well but it would take something more than that to persuade such a man to spend six months in a place like that and i think i can guess at the stake he's playing for 
you mean miss vaughan just that and godfrey leaned back in his chair i contemplated this theory for some moments in silence it was at least a theory and an interesting one but it rested on air there was no sort of foundation for it that i could see and at last i said so i know it's pretty thin godfrey admitted but it's the best i've been able to do there's so little to build a theory out of but i'm going to see if i can't prove one part of it true to-night which part about his being a faker here's my theory that hocus-pocus on the roof at midnight was for the purpose of impressing vaughan no doubt he believed it a real spiritual manifestation whereas it was only a clever bit of jugglery now that vaughan is dead that particular bit of jugglery will cease until there is some new victim to impress in fact it has ceased already there was no star last night but you know why i pointed out the yogi spent the night in contemplation we can bear witness to that we can't bear witness to when he started in said godfrey dryly we didn't see him till after half-past twelve however accepting his explanation there would be no reason for omitting the phenomenon to-night if it's a genuine one no i agreed and if it is omitted godfrey went on it will be pretty conclusive evidence that it isn't genuine although he went on hurriedly i don't need any proof of that anything else would be unbelievable he glanced at his watch it's ten minutes to twelve he said come along i followed him out of the house and through the grove with very mixed sensations if the star didn't fall it would tend to prove that it was as godfrey had said merely a fake arranged to impress a credulous old man but suppose it did fall that was a part of the test concerning which godfrey had said nothing suppose it did fall what then so it was in silence that i followed godfrey up the ladder and took my place on the limb but godfrey seemed to have no uneasiness we won't have long to wait he said we'll wait till five minutes after twelve just to make sure it must be twelve now i wish i could persuade that fellow to show me how the fake was worked for it was certainly a good one one of the best he stopped abruptly staring out into the darkness i was staring too for there against the sky a light began to glow and brighten it hung for a moment motionless and then began slowly to descend steadily deliberately as of set purpose lower and lower it sank in a straight line hovered for an instant and burst into a million sparks in the flare of light a white-robed figure stood gazing upwards its arms strained toward the sky as we went silently down the ladder a moment later it seemed to me that i could hear godfrey's theory crashing about his ears end of chapter twelve read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com